0: Welcome to journeywithjesus.net, a weekly webzine for the global church. I'm Daniel B. Clendenham. Our essay this week is called Pentecostal Praise. It's based upon the lectionary readings for Sunday, June 8, 2014, which is Pentecost Sunday. It's a guest essay by the Reverend Ricardo Avila. Ricardo received his MDiv from Church Divinity School of the Pacific, and now is Associate Rector at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Long Beach, California. The parish includes a sizable LGBTQ and Latino population and provides services for the homeless, as well as space for many local nonprofit groups. Ricardo's long-distance marriage to his husband allows for frequent trips back to the San Francisco Bay Area. Pentecostal Praise by Ricardo Avila As my forehead came to rest on the stone floor of Grace Cathedral, having flinched away once from its cold surface, I finally relaxed. Tired, my body sank into the floor while a fleeting thought that it's now out of my hands passed by. Up and down the center aisle, the six other transitional deacons also lay prostrate. Everyone chanted, Veni Sancti Spiritus, around and above us. Their surrounding entreaty blending with the sound of my own breath hitting the stone. Suddenly tears fell out of my eyes, not erupting from any burst of emotion, just falling. My chest remembered to sob only after my eyes were already drying. As I lay there, in those final moments before I was ordained a priest in the Episcopal Church, I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. If that's so, then why do I still wonder whether such a thing exists? Had I been at the Pentecost event, would I have joined the scoffers, snickering they are filled with new wine? I'd like to think not. Violent wind, dancing tongues of fire on crown chakras all around me, and redneck hicks from Galilee speaking in international languages. Surely that would have impressed even this skeptic. Yes indeed. But I was not there. Instead, I, and we today, must live in the aftermath of that first Pentecost. We are bereft of that pure experience, yet burdened with every interpretation of the Holy Spirit since then. So, maybe it's not the Spirit, I doubt, but rather our feeble attempts to mediate our experiences of the Holy Spirit that are unconvincing. When clergy friends strike out in job searches, people post comments on Facebook like, Hey, something about that position wasn't right for you. I trust that the Holy Spirit is at work and will help you find the best fit, one that uses your unique gifts. Well, maybe. But what I want to write in response is, "Well, Well, maybe the Holy Spirit did her part, and the search committee or the rector screwed up and pick the wrong person. Isn't that just as plausible? Or again, maybe the Spirit has more important things to do than finding us the perfect job. Why does this make me so cranky? I think it's because my faith in the Holy Spirit is already so fragile. And to make the Holy Spirit a repository for our hope of rescue, succor, success, or creativity is to set ourselves up for disappointment and belief unless we keep adjusting our argument so that the spirit always wins. And yet, it took me three and a half years before I found the clergy position I now have as Associate Rector at St. Luke's, Long Beach. And looking back, I realized that no other job for which I applied was as perfect a fit as this one has been. And not only that, I would never have applied for this position, but for a series of coincidences dating back to 2010. Could the Spirit have been guiding me past all those other opportunities, rejection upon rejection, so that I could land here? Who can prove otherwise? So, why be cranky and doubtful when I can be grateful and trusting? Come, Holy Spirit, and when you do, guide us between the scylla of blind faith and the charbitess of jaded mistrust. In 2009, I took part in a four-day seminarian's mission trip to an Anglican church in Piedras, Negras, Mexico. Our visit culminated with attendance at their Sunday Eucharist. We had been warned in advance that their worship style was on the Pentecostal side, but we figured it was Anglican, so how crazy could it get? Well, it got this crazy. Twenty-five minutes into his sermon, the praise band having crescendoed the crowd into a frenzy of clapping and yelling, Padre Miguel suddenly came down the center aisle of the small church and started smacking people's foreheads so that one by one they crumbled to the floor, slain in the spirit. Only seven or eight people volunteered, but I was starting to get nervous. Then a few of us wide-eyed seminarians saw something else. As one woman was slain in the spirit, she paused in her fall just long enough to adjust her bra strap. That was all we needed our eyes narrowed back to their skeptical know-it-all master's program slits. I left unconvinced, though grateful for the trip. And yet, by the end of our first night there, Padre Miguel had not only discovered I was gay, though I had no intention of being out while there, but he somehow got me to tell him all by myself. Then he took me aside, looked at me with his piercing green eyes, pointed at my chest, and said, Listen, Ricardo, God has a special task for you. You need to become a priest, and you need to be open about your sexuality, and you need to minister to the Latino community, because there are gay and lesbian people out there waiting for you to show up in their lives, who will be in your church pews one day. And you have to stand at that altar and be for them an example of God's unconditional love. Because they need to learn to love themselves through you. I was sobbing before he had even finished speaking. And I now today minister among just such a community. Not that I've changed any lives yet, unless you, unless you count the few people who've left our Spanish service become a, because I'm gay. Was Padre Miguel a conduit for the Holy Spirit of God, or is this all just a coincidence? Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful people and kindle in them the fire of your love. And when you do come, Help us to get out of our own way so that you can work through us unimpeded. Recently, an Episcopal deacon friend confessed he had gone to a Pentecostal church in his younger years. He had spoken in tongues on occasion, though it didn't feel genuine at first. At its best, however, he described the experience as transcendent. I sensed the presence of the Creator, and my response to the nearness was to spout praise. I didn't know what I was saying. It was gibberish, but I knew what it meant, and it was all praise and joy. I asked him, were the words yanked out from you, or did you initiate them yourself? He thought a moment and then replied, neither. They burst forth from me without my impetus as if something else inside me was responding to God's presence. This echoed my own experience of spontaneous tears at ordination while lying on that cold stone floor in, in Grace Cathedral. It could be that the Holy Spirit already resides in us, that when we summon it, it arrives. its arrival comes not to us but through us, I don't know. Maybe it's best to leave it a mystery, unexplained and not interpreted. Our attempts to speak of the Holy Spirit probably sound like gibberish to God. But maybe God listens anyways, and hears it as praise. Pentecostal Praise, a guest essay by the Reverend Ricardo Avila. For books this week I review a title called Darling, a Spiritual Autobiography. The author is Richard Rodriguez, New York Viking 2013, 235 pages. Richard Rodriguez, born in 1944, belongs to a dwindling group of public intellectuals whose gift is to elucidate our civic zeitgeist which by his reckoning is one of religious extremism, public atheism, and digital distraction. He he also happens to be openly gay, devotedly Catholic, and Hispanic, which makes for a provocative vantage point. Rodriguez was born into a Mexican family and schooled by the Irish Sisters of Mercy, to whom he dedicates this book with unapologetic fondness. The subtitle, A Spiritual Autobiography, is a little bit misleading because the book is not a linear narrative of faith, but a wide-ranging collection of essays. After the terrorist attacks of 9-11, Rodriguez began to reflect on the desert as the common birthplace and abiding influence on the three religious cousins, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. The fullness of religious revelation came in the emptiness of the desert. Despite the influence of Western Europe on Christianity, after 9-11, Rodriguez realized that the god of these three faiths is what he calls a desert god. And after September, he writes, I started describing myself as Judeo-Christian muslim The desert provokes essays on Las Vegas and the Holy Land, Cesar Chavez and Mother Teresa, clogged California freeways, the demise of newspapers, and the role of women in the formation of his faith. Why does Rodriguez stay in the church? He reflects on his atheist brother and the zeal of Christopher Hitchens. He considers the atrocities performed in the name of this desert God. Indeed, Pope John Paul II issued more than 90 formal apologies. As a gay Hispanic Christian, he's experienced hate and exclusion. He stays in the church, he says, because the church is, quote, more than its ignorance. The church gives me more than it denies me. I stay in the church because it is mine." Richard Rodriguez. The title of the book, Darling, a Spiritual Autobiography. For movies this week, we go to the most unlikely of cinematic destinations, the United Arab Emirates. The name of the movie is Brink, star. That's spelled M-A-S-D-A-R. When I think of the United Arab Emirates, I think of an oil-rich country in the desert with the tallest building in the world. But about 10 miles southeast of Abu Dhabi is a multi-billion dollar urban experiment called Masdar City, literally Source City. The project started in 2006 to create a zero-carbon, zero-waste city, the greenest and most self-sustainable city in the world. The project was due for completion in 2016, but has been pushed back a decade due to the global financial crisis. Still, this little 20-minute film gives a tantalizing introduction to the carless city, It's high-tech labs and vast array of solar panels the size of 300 football fields. Welcome to the post-petroleum world. The film comes from the Bloomberg Brink series that showcases the revolutionaries, dreamers, and disruptors that are reshaping the future in technology, design, and industry. Brink. Mastar, from the United Arab Emirates. For poetry this Pentecost Sunday, we've posted a poem by Denise Levertov, who lived from 1923 to 1997. (coughs) The title of the poem is The Avowal. As swimmers dare to lie face to the sky, and water bears them. As hawks rest upon air, and air sustains them. So would I learn to attain free fall, and float in the Creator Spirit's deep embrace. Knowing no effort earns that all-surrounding grace. Denise Lebertov, The Avowal. Thank you for joining us at journeywithjesus.net for Sunday, June 8, 2014. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin.